please turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, beloved, it's one of those days where we can definitely, definitely say to one another, it is a hot day. Definitely not a cold day. So, um, for those who've been saying, when is summer coming? It's here. <laughs> and uh, we can now enjoy the heat of summer. And there are people that says, oh, can we not have a little bit of winter again? You know, so... I think that's why the Lord said we're going to have four seasons, because people are never satisfied. But uh, if he gives us four set, um, seasons, then we can, can be satisfied, because every season has got its own beauty and uh, own enjoyment. Before we continue, though, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it's such a privilege to come to you this morning, to have your word, and to have the privilege to to read your word, and not only read your word, but also listen to your word being expounded. Father, I pray this morning, please open up our hearts to receive and open up our minds to understand. And that which you send out your word this morning, Father, that it may accomplish that which you send it out to accomplish. So at the end of the day, Father, your name may be glorified. As we, as your children, are obedient to your word, as we are edified and comforted, and as we apply the principles that you give us in your word to our lives, as we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Right. Now, <clears throat> I, I think we will all agree with one another that life is tough. Life is definitely tough, especially when we face tribulation, when we face troubles, uh, when we face times that we do not expect the death of a loved one like Sister Kathy and the family experienced this past week. Or we just get sick. Something happens to us. The amazing thing is that God uses everything in our lives. For his glory in the first place. And sometimes you and I might think, wait, 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 wait. How can God use things that are so negative to his glory? Beloved, that's what God does. Right through the New Testament you will see, even the Old Testament, you will see how God in his, in his greatness uses everything for his glory. And then God does not share his glory with anyone. So if something is going to steal his glory, then God will make sure that things will happen in such a way that he still receives the glory. Ultimately, God will be glorified. And the reason for that is God is God. And he hasn't changed. And, and all that we as human beings need to understand is that we need to give him glory. That's our purpose in life. That's why we exist, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And we need to do what we, are, we have been created to do, is to bring God the glory. So God uses everything in our lives. To, he can use it to build us, to strengthen us, to change us, to enable us to have 
more courage and uh, more boldness, or he can just use it to help us to trust him more. Because I think we all lack in the trust department, don't we? It's very easy to say that, yeah, I have faith, and yes, I trust the Lord, until something very serious happens. And then we realize, oops, I don't think I've got a lot in the trust department. I need a little bit more trust. And God allows things in our lives where he will use those things to, to help us to trust him more. Now, our lives are filled with good things and bad things. Our lives are filled with happy and sad moments. Our lives are filled with joys and sorrow. Our lives are filled with highs and lows. Our lives are filled with pleasures and struggles. Beloved, that's life. And it's always going to be like that. As long as sin is in this world, life will have those two sides. And it's interesting how we kick against the negative, how we kick against the bad, how we kick against the suffering. And we only want the one side. But, beloved, unfortunately, when sin came into the world through our ancestors, Adam and Eve, it messed up this world. And from that moment on, the world is not what it's supposed to be. By the way, creation as we see it and as we know it today, is not what God created in the beginning. When God said it is good, that's not what we see today. We see a broken creation. We see a creation stained with sin and the consequences of sin. We see people with the consequences of sin. We were just talking, just now, just before I came in, we were talking about um, a child with disability. When you look at a child with disability, or you look at a, any human being with disability, immediately we, we see this is not good. But it's the consequences of sin. Sickness. Cancer chronic illness, whatever it might be. It's a consequence of sin. And unfortunately, the world that we live in has been broken by sin. But in the midst of all of this, God still gives us a glimmer of beauty, doesn't he? I mean, there's some things in, in creation, even though it's broken, it is still so beautiful. I, I just think of my wife. That's all I have to think of is my wife. Uh, you, she's an uh, older virgin, version of what she was when I, I met her. But I remember when my knees just went. It's just one of those things, one of those beauties, those mo uh, amazing things that God has created. I don't care what other men says, she's my wife. And she's beautiful to me. So, beloved, we will all face all kinds of tribulation and troubles and suffering. And in it all, we can be sure that God 
is in control. And that's the amazing thing. That's the wonderful thing. We can trust him. Now, many years ago, I see here comes the children, so I'm just going to give them a moment. That's half of my introduction. The other half is coming. So I would like to give the children the other half of the introduction as well. I, I must be honest with you, I enjoy the, the hot weather um, because it really it helps with the, the pain in a sense. But wow, when it gets hot, then it's very hot. You know, then it's a, it's a tough, we, you can come in. Yeah. What surprises me nowadays is when I prepare a sermon and I think back of my, um, of my youth, you know, when I was young, when I was in primary school kind of thing, sometimes even when I was in, in, um, in high school. Nowadays, I, I write down many years ago, and I think to myself, wow, not long ago I was saying, no, just, you know, the other year. It wasn't too long ago when the following happened, when I was in primary school, when I was in high school. Now is many years ago, this and this and this happened to me. And, and something actually happened to me when... I was, I think I was in primary school, and uh, we were swimming at my grandfather's or grandparents' swimming pool here on Hilldrop, or at Hilldrop, and um, they had steps made out of metal, and it was connected to the wall, and there was just enough space behind this. When I was younger, I could just slip in behind it, you know, kind of choop, slip in behind it, sit there for a while, you know, underwater, and then choop, slip out again without a problem. And it must have been that I, I wasn't at the swimming pool for quite a while, and then the next moment I kind of slipped in. Not that easy, but when I wanted to get out, I couldn't. I was stuck. And the tough one was I was the only one in the swimming pool. There was nobody there. So there was this, this feeling that came over me. I tried to not to panic, but I mean, I was young. So how do you not panic if you're young and you feel that you've just got enough breath to get out? And that breath is running out and you're stuck. You just can't get out. So I felt as if death was coming and, and kind of eyeing me now. Looking me in the eye. And uh, I even opened up my eyes to see how in the world am I going to get out. Because I never realized that I grew up a little. I grew a little. Even today, looking back, I don't know. I can't remember how I got out. But somehow, I got out from behind the, those steps. And I could breathe. And let me tell you, I, it was such a blessing to be able to breathe and to be alive because I thought I was going to drown. And by the way, from that day on, never ever went behind steps again. And in fact, I would never go behind anything that's solid underwater. 
Uh, I was just too afraid to do that. Just now I get stuck again in this time. I'm not that lucky. And I'm putting lucky in inverted commas here. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought it was the end? You know, where you just thought there was no way out. You're not going to get out of the situation. It felt as if you're going to die. Have you ever been in such a situation? Not too long ago, last year actually, in, in September, uh, just before I got my colostomy, for four days I couldn't sleep. Well, I didn't sleep, but I couldn't sleep either. I hardly ate, I hardly drank anything. Uh, I felt li like I was losing my mind because I wasn't getting sleep. And um, I just felt as if life was slipping away from me. Slowly but surely, just as if life was just slipping away from me. Well, it was quite a weird feeling, completely different to what I experienced as a young boy, you know, underwater. Because there it's sudden, it's just, you know what? I think I'm not going to last very long. Then I'll have to breathe water and I'm going to die. But last year it was different. Because I could feel the life just draining out of me, slowly but surely. And everything that I thought that I could do to kind of get myself out of the situation or to, to, to resolve the issue just didn't work. It felt, felt as if I was uh, carrying a death sentence in my body. Maybe you've experienced the same thing. I couldn't do anything to help myself. I just came to the end of myself. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that I know Christ as Lord and Savior. So I could run to the Lord, but I, it was in such a broken way because I didn't even have strength to really pray. It was just kind of just crying out, Lord, help, please. Because I, I just can't do this anymore. Praise God for his mercy. Because he made a way and he used my family and a palliative nurse and a surgeon to kind of shake me a little and got the operation and um, now I have a stoma and I'm alive. But that moment, those four days specifically, was terrible. Terrible. And it's as if I, I can still feel the way I felt last year. Not exactly, but, you know, it can, I can still bring it into memory. Now, beloved, in, when we read Second Corinthians chapter 1, uh, we hear the Apostle Paul speak about an experience which he had where he thought it was the end. He thought it was, this is it, finished. Uh, just after writing his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul and those who was with him went through a terrible time uh, in or around the city of Ephesus. They were very close to Ephesus or in Ephesus, and that's where this, this something happened. We don't know what it is. This is the amazing thing about the... The specific situation that the Apostle Paul found himself in. But what we do know is that the Apostle Paul and the others thought that they were going to die. Uh, it seems from the passage that Paul faced something that was beyond human survival. And he thought that uh, his ministry was coming to a premature end. 
kind of, this is it. I don't think I'm supposed to die now. I still have a lot of ministry to do, but this is the end. I just can't, I'm, I'm, we're not going to make this. I'm not going to make it. So Paul uses a, a very interesting Greek word in his description of what happened to him and the, those who were with him, in, in which he basically conveys this idea of there was a total absence of an exit. So there was no exit. It's like being in a room and they close it up and you start looking for a way out of that place and there is no room or there's no exit. Nothing. You can't get out. You are where you are. You're stuck. You can't get out. And that's the idea that the Apostle Paul basically conveys in his description of what happened to him and the others uh, in and around Ephesus. To Paul and those who were with him, it felt as if it was the end of the road. Uh, they came to the end of themselves, and there was no way of escape. I mean, when I got stuck behind the, the steps, I tried a few things, but uh, it also felt as if there was no way out. I mean, I, there was only one way out, and that was the way in. The way I came in, that's the way I had to get out, and I couldn't get out, you know. So I kind of remember that feeling. And uh, during the four days last year leading up to my colostomy, I thought also there was no way out, but the Lord made a way out. Praise Him for that. You see, the wonderful thing about being a Christian is this, that when there seems to be no way out in a situation, we as believers have something that unbelievers do not have. Beloved, I do not under, I think that we understand and comprehend completely what it means to be a child of the living God. To be able to trust Him. That no matter what happens, God is in control. And God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He's the one who will carry us through because we belong to Him. It's just absolutely amazing. As believers, we can look to the Lord, our God, and trust Him to see us through. I mean, we have um, fellow believers as well who can pray for us. And God, when He answers their prayers, just absolutely amazing to be part of what God does and how God does things on this earth. So let's look at verses 8 to 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, this is where Paul explains what happened to him and the others that was with him. So it's kind of in his own words explaining what he went through. Verse 8 says the following, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Verse 9 says, Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. And verse 11, You also, helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through
through many. Do they? What a passage of scripture. What a passage. And what a testimony of the Apostle Paul. This is the same apostle that went through all these things, you know, being whipped and thrown with stones and beaten and all kinds of things. And here he gives his testimony of what happened to him. He doesn't tell us what it is. It seems like the Corinthian church knew because they were praying for Paul. But the apostle Paul explains something that maybe it was so terrible that he can't put words to it. He can't tell us exactly what happened because it was so bad. Yet, it happened to him. And those people that were with him. We don't know who was with him either. But what we do know is that something happened that was terrible. So let's start with verse 9. Look at verse 9 where it says, Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Beloved, God allowed Paul and those who were with him to face death, to stand so close to death that they could look death in the eye. That's how close they were. Someone said that the Lord took Paul and the others to the point at which they could not fall back on any intellectual physical or emotional human resources they were stuck the only one that could get them out of there was god very much like daniel in the lion's den eh? you remember when daniel was cast into the lion's den and it was locked up he was there right through the night and if it wasn't for god who closed the mouths of the lions Daniel would have been line food. But for the Apostle Paul, it felt as if there was no way out of the situation that they were in. Beloved, when we face difficulties in life, we tend to, to first try to fix it ourselves, isn't it? We first do our own thing. We kind of look at what is happening and then we say okay so what am I going to do and we try this and we try that and we try this thing and that thing we always try our own thing first and if it doesn't work then we turn to the Lord and say Lord what now please help because what I've tried just doesn't work we, dig, uh, we tend to dig into our own resources or into the resources of others before we turn to the Lord. And I think it's human nature. Unfortunately, that's part of our sinful nature. You see, our sinful nature has a tendency to always look to self first. Because that's the way we are. The sinful nature always wants things for itself first. So we always have that tendency to if we want a resolution for something, then we tend to look to self first before we turn to the Lord, even though we can serve God many times. Maybe I can say most of the time, we tend to try to solve it ourselves first. It's as if we've got this idea, and, and it comes from the world. It doesn't come from the Bible, by the way. No. We've got this idea that we have to use our own strength and our own abilities and, and, and what we have received first 
And then, if we get to the end of ourselves, turn to the Lord. Otherwise, you're weak. But in fact, I believe that someone who turns to the Lord first is spiritually strong. Really strong. Because they understand that God is the one who can get us out of this situation. No one else. Only God. I believe we have misplaced trust in our own abilities. We sometimes think more of ourselves than what we are supposed to or what we ought to. But that's the reality, unfortunately, of our sinful nature, isn't it? Paul and those who, who were with him, they needed to learn to trust in the Lord more. It's in our text. So God, in his sovereignty, God in his, his almighty know-it-all, know-it-allness, let me create a new word here, knowing everything and knowing what the Apostle Paul and those who were with him needed most of all, God knew they needed to know how to trust God more. So he allowed them to get into a situation where it was the end, where they felt it's finished, it's done continue and then God made a way for them absolutely amazing they needed to learn to trust in the Lord at all times and this includes the past the present and the future look at verse 10 quickly absolutely amazing verse 10 says um, speaking about God now who delivered us from so great a death, which means that the only way that Paul and the others could get out of this issue was God had to make a way. All right, so he says, God who delivered us from so great a death. That's past. You see it? Then he says, and does deliver us. That's present. Then he says, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. That's future. So remember that when the Apostle Paul wrote the letter, obviously they already went through what they went through. So they already, already learned what they learned. So he could write down what he says here. And it's amazing how the Apostle Paul has the ability to understand that our trust needs to be in God in the past, the present, and the future. That basically includes all of my life. My whole existence. You see, beloved, no one is exempt from suffering, that's for sure. No one is exempt from facing situations where death could look you in the eye. Suffering is part of being human. That's the reality of life. And for us as believers, we have the privilege to trust the Lord to see us through. Unbelievers choose not to trust in God. By the way, they can also trust in God. They just choose not to do it. They choose to, to, to follow their own instinct and follow their own ideas and to do their own thing. Wasn't it God who said, whoever, or Christ who said, if you knock, it shall be opened unto you. If you ask, you shall receive 
Isn't that what Jesus said? So unbelievers willfully decide not to ask. And they decide they can do their own thing to get them out of the situation. It's completely unwise. It's foolish. But that's what they do. But us, as believers, we can trust in God in all things and take it to Him in prayer immediately. I believe, beloved, the important thing or the important lesson in these verses is this. If the Lord doesn't save us immediately, and this is in our verse, He is able to raise us from the dead. Just listen to verse 10 again quickly. See that? God who delivered us uh, from so a great death, past tense, or the past, and does deliver us present, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Future. God is able to raise us from the dead. We'll get there now. Because it says in verse 10, God delivers us or delivered us from so a great death. Can you see that? The Apostle Paul thought it was the end, as I said in the beginning. It's finished. There's no getting out of this. So God delivered the Apostle Paul and the others from the trouble that they were in in Ephesus. And Paul tells us that even if they died, in what situation they were in at that specific stage, awful situation, God can still raise them from the dead. They could fully trust in God, even though their situation seemed to be beyond desperate. But verse 10 also says, God does deliver us, no? the present. And Paul and the others with him knew that God is in the deliverance business, and they experienced how God delivered them in the past because, I mean, we all have a testimony from the day that we are born. Some other time in your life, you must have a testimony of you were in a situation where you knew there was no way out and somehow you got out. And, and people who are secular, they would say, you see, people can do this. Oh, I was lucky. Beloved, we know that God is in control of everything in creation. And if somebody is delivered, it is because of God's common grace. Whether they acknowledge it or not, doesn't matter. It's because of God's common grace. But instead of praising God and thanking God for what he has done, what do people do? They praise themselves or they praise others, but they will not give the glory to God. It's so unfortunate, but that's the reality of, of life. So unfortunate. In, in the case of the Apostle Paul and those who were with him, their past experiences actually helped them to trust God for their deliverance in the present. Beloved, what God did for us in the past becomes building blocks for us to be able to trust Him now, here in the present, and even into the future. Paul trusted God to raise him and the others from the dead. The reason for it is because God is able to raise 
him and others from the dead. And then the third thing we see in verse 10 is in God, we trust that he will still deliver us. So Paul and the others with him were well aware of the fact that God is able to deliver in the future as well because he has proven himself to be 100% trustworthy in the past. Beloved, in all the years that I've served the Lord, in all the years that I've been saved, God hasn't failed me once. I've failed him many times. I've been very unfaithful. But God has always been faithful. He's never failed me. So if God hasn't failed me in the past and the things that he's done for me in the past, why will he fail me in the future? He won't. Because he's God. He's not like us. He's trustworthy, faithful, always, always. Beloved, and if we, we want to look at the future and think of God, that God can carry us through, just think of, as I said, Daniel, uh, Daniel you know, in the lion's den, or the friends of Daniel. I can continue, no? Or Daniel's friends in the fiery furnace. Or you remember Moses when all the boys were killed and he was put into the Nile River and Pharaoh's wife found him or or daughter found him and he was saved. What about Mordecai? Saved from the hands of Haman who wanted to kill him and to wipe out the Jewish nation. Or David, when he faced Goliath. There are so many examples in Scripture, and I mean, I've just touched on the surface, of God faithfully being the one who carried his children through. Absolutely amazing. Now, beloved, as I read the words of the Apostle Paul, my thoughts went back to Abraham. You remember Abraham? When he was instructed to sacrifice his own son, And his son asked him, so dad, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will supply. For Abraham knew that God would raise Isaac from the dead if he was to sacrifice his son on the altar. Abraham knew he could trust God because God is trustworthy in all things. Just look at verse 9 again quickly. It says, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So Paul knew, those who were with Paul, if we had to die in this situation because we are facing death, we're looking death in the eye, God can still raise us from the dead. The hope of the Apostle Paul was in the resurrection. And it could have been an immediate resurrection, like um, Abraham trusted God, that God could raise Isaac from the dead. So if uh, Abraham had to take Isaac and sacrifice him, and he's dead on the altar, God could raise him from the dead right there. That's what Abraham believed. Paul believed the same thing. 
that in that situation, even though he may die, God is able to raise him from the dead and those who were with him. Beloved, this is absolutely amazing. You see, to trust God means to have confidence in him alone, to raise us from the dead when we die. Or when we are in one of those tough situations where we think we are going to die now. Beloved, the resurrection of the dead is a central doctrine of Christianity. And, and it's a central doctrine of Christianity for a reason. Because it gives us hope. It's something that we can look at and say, wow, Christianity, the only religion that has the resurrection of the dead as the core of one of its doctrines. Absolutely amazing. I mean, during Jesus' public ministry on earth, he raised people from the dead. You remember the widow of Nain's son, Lazarus, um, Jairus' daughter? Uh, remember the various saints when the graves opened up at the death of Christ when he was on the cross and the graves opened up and the Old Testament saints rose from the dead and then they moved in Jerusalem and people saw them. You remember that resurrection? Jesus himself rose from the dead three days after he was placed in the grave and Jesus is going to return. And when he returns, we will meet him in the air. Those who are alive will be changed in an instant to meet Christ in the air. But those who, are di who died, who are in the grave, will be raised. Everyone who are in Christ will be raised and meet Christ in the air. Because the doctrine of the resurrection is central to Christianity. It's absolutely amazing. Now when we get to verse 11 we find something that's very interesting. It says, you also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here in a nutshell, beloved, is that the Corinthian believers were part of their salvation, their deliverance. And, and why were they part of the deliverance of the Apostle Paul and the others? That's why I say the Corinthian believers knew what Paul was going through and the others were going through. What was happening is they were praying while the Apostle Paul were going through this tough, tough time and the others with him, the Corinthian believers were praying. They were interceding for the Apostle Paul. And guess what? God answered their prayer. And God delivered Paul and the others from certain death. Because, beloved, that's the way the body of Christ works. That's the way the church functions. Is we can't just twist God's arm to make him do what we want, okay? So we don't pray to try to twist God's arm and say, Oh, God, please, I mean, Paul and the others are going through a tough time. It seems like they're going to die, so please deliver them. And then the next time I pray, I say, Lord, I prayed the first time, so mm, 
Deliver them, please. Come, come, come. Lord, we demand that you deliver them. We command you to deliver them. You know, like the people do when they say, God, we command you to call your angels to do this and that. And No, that's not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is that we as God's people, in line with God's will, work with God. To fulfill his purposes and his plans for his glory. So when we pray, we pray in accordance to his will. And he's going to be glorified when he answers his prayer. And he does what his will is. And that's what happened in the Corinthian church. The Corinthian believers prayed. It was God's will to deliver the Apostle Paul and the others. And God answered their prayer. And guess what? There was great rejoicing in the Corinthian church, beloved, because their prayers were answered. They could rejoice, be glad. Many voices go up to God in praise and, 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 and thanksgiving to God for answering prayer. And the church... Worked with God in the deliverance of the Apostle Paul. And that's what 11, verse 11 tells us. And that's such a beautiful thing, beloved. And that's why it's so important for the church to pray. That's why it's, impor it's important what Stefan did this morning, that we pray for our missionaries. That we pray for those who are facing death. That we pray for those who are going through tough times. And we pray for those who are troubled, for those who are experiencing pain and suffering. That we come alongside and pray that God's will be done in their lives so that at the end of the day we may glorify God with those whose, answer, uh, whose prayers has been answered. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. Beloved, the beautiful thing is that God answered their prayers. And that's the way God works. He works with the church, not just the individual. And that's the beauty of being part of the church. That's why it's important that we need to call on one another and ask one another, please pray for me. I need pray, prayer, and then we need to pray. We need to pray for one another. Beloved, let me conclude with this. Paul and those who were with them, with him, sorry, faced certain death. God allowed them to go through what they went through. And obviously God did it because it was for his glory. But also to teach the Apostle Paul and those who were with him to trust him more. And that's the beauty of the God that we serve. God wanted to teach them how to trust him more. But the Apostle Paul and those who were with him, after this, um, how can I say, what they went through, they were able to trust God for the past, the present, and the future. 
And you can see it in what the Apostle Paul was speaking to the Corinthian believers, teaching them what they've learned when they went through this tough, tough time in their lives. And then the third thing is God's deliverance is ultimately in the resurrection. If God delivers us from any situation that we are in, beloved, praise Him. If it be in accordance to His will, we praise Him, we thank Him, we glorify Him, and He will deliver us if it is His will. But ultimately, we praise Him and we thank Him and we glorify Him for our ultimate deliverance is in the resurrection to be with Christ forever and ever. And then the last thing we see in our passage is how important the prayers of fellow believers are. That we pray for one another in accordance to God's will. And when God answers our prayers, obviously he is glorified. We edified. We praise him. We thank him. We've got a reason to rejoice. And God delivers his people in accordance to his purposes and his plans. Wow. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. Unfortunately, it doesn't take away that you and I will not face suffering. No? It doesn't take away that we might face death eye to eye. And it doesn't take away the fact that we might even die in our suffering. But beloved, we can know that we will be raised from the dead and we will live forever in the presence of the Almighty God. No more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more heartache, Everything perfect, brand spanking new. That's the God we serve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can have this example of the Apostle Paul and those who were with him. And in the turmoil and the tribulation that they went through, not knowing whether they would be, they would go through it live most probably that they would have died. And thank you very much that you show us in your word how through the prayers of the, the church, as they prayed in accordance to your will, and as they prayed and in accordance to your purposes and your plans, Father, you restored or delivered the Apostle Paul and those who were with him. And Father, you turn, uh, taught them how to trust you more. And even us, we can know that we can trust you not only in the past and the present, but also in the future. Oh, Father, we praise you. We thank you. And Father, thank you so much that ultimately, whether we die or whether we are raised from the dead, uh, die now, maybe in our tribulation, in our troubles, in our pains, in our suffering, 
or whether we stay alive till Jesus returns, we can know that if we died, we will be raised from the dead. And we will meet Christ in the air and be with him forever because the resurrection is our hope. Thank you for that, Father. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen.